Hey everyone, this is Pastor Luis, and today we're going to focus our attention on one of the major religious sects that had a big impact on the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. We are going to take a closer look at the Sadducees. Now the name Sadducee in Hebrew is Sadukim, and we believe that goes back to the time of the kings, of King David and King Solomon, to a high priest by the name of Zadok, the righteous one or the just one. Um, we, we know that um, this group considered themselves purists, very, very spiritual, and um, the information that we have on them is very limited. None of their writings survived. I mean, they flourished in the first century, and you really find them after the exile, once the Jewish people came back from captivity. But the information we have is, is pretty much uh, from those that didn't like them. And so, so we have to be careful how we weigh some of that information. But the majority of what we know comes from, for instance, a Jewish historian by the name of Josephus or Philo, a Jewish um, philosopher. There's a lot of rabbinical literature, uh, what we find in the Dead Sea Scrolls, and of course, what we read in the New Testament. So we have limited information and we're trying to understand who this group was, the Sadducees. Now what we do know is that they were a very rather small group. They were aristocrats, which means they were the rich people. They, they were a small group of powerful and influential people. Um, when Rome came in and conquered the, that area of, of Judah and Jerusalem, all that area, it was the Sadducees that spoke with Rome and they looked for a political solution to their personal issue, which was they didn't want to lose their money, their privilege, or their power. So basically, they were compliant. They worked and cooperated with Rome. And they said this, listen, if you would help us and uh, allow us to keep power through the Sanhedrin, basically the Jewish Supreme Court. If you help keep us in power, we will use that authority, we will use that power to suppress any rebellions, we'll suppress any uprising, we'll keep you informed, and we'll help you maintain the peace. That way you won't have any issues managing our country. Some would say that's being traitors, some actually did. And, and so it, it was quite an interesting relationship and, and, a, and a survival method that the Sadducees employed with Rome. Now we know that because they were um, in that position of authority, most of their policies were very Rome-friendly. Their ultimate goal was keep Rome happy so that they don't come and mess with us. We actually find evidence of that in the New Testament. For instance, in the book of John, chapter 11, verse 48, the chief priest says of Jesus this, If we let him go on like this, all men will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. And so even though we see the Sadducees as a religious sect, their primary focus was um, political, it was social, it was dealing with maintaining a power base. And their faith was mostly ritualistic, devoid 
empty of any real spiritual significance. And so as we study these people, we we need to know that they stood apart from the other groups, especially the Pharisees, in the sense that we we know that the Pharisees controlled the majority of the synagogues. But the Sadducees controlled the temple, the major learning institution of their day. And so it's really important for us to recognize how did they understand scripture? How did they approach it? Whereas the Pharisees focused in on both the written and the oral traditions, the Sadducees considered themselves purist in that they only accepted the written words of Moses, the Torah. So they they believed in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. But they would not accept the, the Talmud, the Mishnah, which were basically commentaries. And these commentaries were interpretations and applications of those books. But the Sadducees didn't care for that method of interpretation. And, and, and it's interesting, it, it's speculation, but I think that the reason the Sadducees didn't want to accept more books is because they could, from their practical and progressive approach to scripture, they could look at those scriptures and say, you know, they're old-fashioned, they're old, um, they're vague, it's hard to know what they mean, and with no commentaries, no interpretations, no instructions on application, they could give those scriptures whatever meaning they wanted, which is why we see them as very liberal in their theology. They would look at scripture and they did some things that um, were not right. They just weren't right. Because they had such a liberal view of scripture, they they would look look at it and say, so from my Hellenistic approach, which means I'm really in love with Greek culture, with philosophy, with human logic, and the focus of making man the center of the universe, they would bring that to scripture and say, the only way we can really glean anything from the, from the scriptures is to measure it with and inform it with our culture, our logic, our human reasoning, modern thought. So scripture became subject to their experience, their logic, their reason, and their culture. Instead of scripture informing all that, all that informs scripture. And it gave them the opportunity to go to themselves, well, amongst themselves, and they would say, so God's word becomes God's word as you understand it. What does it mean to you? through your interpretation. How how does that apply to you? And because it was so man-centered, it wasn't about how you please God. It was basically about how God loves you and takes care of you. And, And they were able to take away any kind of responsibility or they, they, they gave you an incredible amount of what I call license. Not freedom, but license. Because scripture to them was vague. Um, it could be interpreted in many ways. They weren't held back by scripture. They could live their lives and find their best life yet without ever having to be responsible. They didn't want to deal with the issue of sin. They wanted to deal with the issue of flourishing 
of advancing, of progressing, of a better world. But their approach to scripture was really, really poor. Uh, because of that, the Sadducees um, were looked at by the Pharisees and, and they saw them as sinners. They called them ignorant of the law, imbeciles, get that word, and said, you are no different than Samaritans. You have a facade of religiosity, but you don't know the true faith and you're not living it out. So some of the things that I do think we ought to know as we take a closer look at these Sadducees, and, and here's some points to consider. Number one, they were a very small and elite group that wasn't trying to evangelize the world. They weren't trying to grow in numbers. They were small and they liked it that way because they had a small group that had a lot of power and their goal was to maintain that power. And they didn't want to share it with anyone. They wanted to maintain control of the temple. And they wanted to continue their privileges and their opportunities that Rome was giving them. Their theology was man-centered. It was all about what do you think? How do you feel? Uh, what does that scripture say to you? It was a very dangerous way of connecting human logic, modern thought, science, uh, and, and progressive thinking into the interpretations of the scriptures. And, and yes, they would include the Bible, but in their thinking, the Bible was the weak link in the whole deal. And they saw the scriptures as valuable only in the sense of, of its morality. How do we treat one another? How does God uh, love us? What are the different ways that God can take care of us? And again, the, the focus was human flourishing. Um, and they employed something that we see liberal theologians doing even today. They saw that the scriptures um, could be limited by saying that it has errors. It shouldn't be taken literally. It's vague, it's old, it's irrelevant. There's too many errors, there's too many conflicts. Um, it has a lot of contradictions. And so they would not put a very high view of scripture. They saw scripture as something that needed to be tempered by their own logic, reasoning, and understanding. Um, they interpreted it they interpreted scripture more by their own perspectives, their feelings, their emotions, and their experiences. I want to I wanna give you a good example of this. Because, again, when you study, when you take a closer look at the um, Sadducees, you're going to notice that they not only have a very interesting perspective of scripture, but I really think that they are some of the most dangerous people that Jesus would face. And, and I want to learn from that because a religious or spiritual person with liberal theology is what I believe one of the greatest challenges to the church today. You know, the Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes, there's nothing new under the sun. Well, that's the truth. The same things that were impacting the life and ministry of Jesus is what is impacting the life and ministry of the church today. This understanding of liberal theology, how you approach scripture, how you uh, apply it, 
and hold yourself responsible to it. And we're going to see that because even though the Sadducees consider themselves people of faith, watch how they use the scriptures. I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12. We're going to read that for uh, just a moment. And in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12, verse 18, we're going to read through um, verse 27. And listen to this interaction between Jesus and the Sadducees. And now they're going to come to him and they're going to bring up the issue of the resurrection. But they're not going to challenge the doctrine of the resurrection. I, I want to remind you, Sadducees did not believe in the supernatural. They did not believe in life after death. They didn't believe that God would intervene in the future. They didn't believe in angels, in miracles. They did not believe in the resurrection. So these were not part of their theological belief system. But here in the interaction with Jesus, they bring it up. And instead of challenging the doctrine, they're using a doctrine that they don't even believe in to try to undermine the teaching and the ministry of Jesus. And they do what a lot of liberal theologians do today. They use scripture to undermine scripture. They try to set up these ridiculous and absurd uh, examples to try to show us that scripture is irrelevant, it can't be trusted, it has all kinds of errors, it is not inerrant, it is not infallible. Basically, you can't trust it. And, and watch what happens here in Mark chapter 12, beginning in verse 18. And it says, And the Sadducees came to him, who say there is no resurrection, and they asked him a question, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife, but leaves no child, the man must take the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first took a wife, and when he died, left no offspring. And the second took her, and he died, leaving no offspring. And the third likewise, and the seven left no offspring. Last of all, the woman died also. In the resurrection, which they don't believe in, when they rise again, whose wife will she be? For the seven had her as a wife. And Jesus, he responds so well. And I think we can learn from his response. Jesus said to them, is this not the reason you're wrong? Because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. Did you catch that? You don't know your scriptures and you have no clue about the power of God. For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. Now, I love how Jesus responds to these Sadducees because he recognizes they are trying to use scripture to undermine doctrines, which is what liberal theologians do. He also understands that they are scoffers. They're trying to undermine his ministry. They're trying to confuse the people. What we're watching is liberal theology undermine scripture. We're, we're watching people use scripture against scripture. And even though people claim to be religious or spiritual, they're actually scoffers. They are uninterested in putting God at the center of our faith. They're very man-centered. You know, 
faith is what you make it. Don't, don't let religion hold you down. You shouldn't be limited. We shouldn't be imposing our interpretations on others. And, and it's this, this path that is being taken towards liberal theology, which is really just licensed to do whatever you want to do painted as a faith movement. It's not. What Jesus does here is he shows them, you all don't know your scriptures. You're trying to undermine, you're trying to make me, Jesus speaking, you're trying to make me sound like I don't know what I'm talking about. And you're trying to undermine scriptures. Because what the Sadducees are in essence saying is this. When you study the scriptures, they don't they're irrelevant. They're not useful. Because let me give you an example. And they do what most liberals do. They give you an example, an absurd example. And they say, look at this situation, Jesus. There's this woman. Now we know in the in the books of the law, Deuteronomy, there's the Leverite marriage where if a woman has a husband that passes away, her, his brother needs to come in, give him a child. And it had everything to do with property rights and land. And, and what the Sadducees are doing is they're using one scripture to attack another scripture, another doctrine saying, even the scriptures deny the resurrection. It is, the resurrection is a ridiculous doctrine because what happens in this woman's case? How are you going to resolve this? You see, it doesn't work. This poor woman has married seven men, and now when she gets to heaven, whose wife is she? See the confusion? No. Jesus says, you don't know the scriptures. First of all, marriage is an earthly thing. And, and the reason those laws were there is so that they understand who inherits land. But when you go to heaven... There is no land to inherit. There is no organizational uh, procedure for passing on inheritance. So when this woman goes to heaven, none of these men, and I know this is, this is probably something deserving of another, of, of another video, but she's saying none of these men are going to take that role of husband because when we go to heaven, we are brothers and we are sisters. And, and the love that we have for one another in heaven far exceeds the love that we have for one another here, even in the marital sense. And, and what he's saying is, you don't understand how the scriptures are teaching the resurrection. And, and so Jesus captures this. And what does he say? He says in verse 24, is this not the reason you're wrong? Are you ready for this? Is this not the reason you're wrong? Because you know neither the scriptures. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't have a good method of interpreting scripture. You don't have a good method of sharing scripture. Isn't this the reason you're wrong? You don't know how to use. It's, it's what I always say. Don't you people know your Bibles? <laughs> That's what Jesus is saying. You guys don't know scripture. And he, and he, in front of everybody, he calls them out. He says, you don't know scripture. Quit trying to represent God when you don't know God. And he says that. You don't know scripture and you do not know the power of God. You are fakes. And I really believe that we as Christians, even though we are kind, we're patient, when we see the abuse of scripture by 
liberal theologians, we need to call it out. I'm not saying be mean or rude, but you must call it out. It is error. And, and, and another thing that we need to do is a response and as a reaction to liberal theology is recognize where theology and politics have bled together. We need to separate them. Now, I believe that Christians have a place in the po political uh, arena. We need Christians to be voicing the Word of God. We need Christians to be representing Christian values. We need to be participants in the process. But do not let those two, your faith and your politics, just cloud everything understand they have different roles so if, if you're going to be involved in politics then you do that but do not reject deny or forget that you have a responsibility in faith you see jesus when he came he came and he gave us a commission a mandate and it wasn't about politics your faith informs your politics but it is not the central piece of why jesus came you know, we see this with his own disciples in the book of Acts, uh, chapter 1, verse 4 through 8. His disciples come to him and, and listen to what they say. He's about to go back to heaven. He, these are the last moments they have with Jesus. And listen to what they say. Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And how does Jesus respond? He says, that is not for you to know. Uh, that is not for you to know. Um, they are watching Jesus go to heaven and the one thing they're asking is, is now the time when you make Israel great again, when you restore our political uh, party to power, when when we are now in control and managing and Jesus is saying, that's not for you to know. Basically what he's saying is, that's not your concern. Jesus didn't come here to raise or destroy a country. He came to establish a kingdom the kingdom of heaven on earth. And he gave you and me a mandate. The mandate is apart from your life of politics, it is two things. Number one, if you want to know how to transform the world and to make an impact in this world, then preach the gospel. Get to know the scriptures and the power of God and share it with everyone. It is the only solution. It is the only way. It is preaching the gospel. And number two, have a witness. In a world filled with hate and division and chaos, you bring peace. You bring love. You bring order. Let the world see Christ living in you. How do we how do we respond to all of this liberal theology and all of this chaos in our world? Number one, we as Christians call out when the Word of God is being undermined by studying it ourselves and having the ability to identify when someone is in error. Secondly, preach the truth. Preach the gospel. And third, live a life of testimony before the world where they can see Jesus shining in you. Well, folks, thanks for giving me the time as we're studying and taking a closer look at the Sadducees. I'm looking forward to sharing more videos with you. If you like this content, would you please like, leave a comment, or subscribe to the channel? We'll talk soon. Remember, I'm always pulling for you.
Thank you for spending time with us this morning. We hope you were blessed by our time together in God's Word. If you'd like to know more about us, if we can pray for you, or if you'd like to know more about our faith and hope in Jesus Christ, please check out our website, newlifescottsdale.org. While there, you can also find ways to financially support the ministry of New Life Community Church. As always, thank you for joining us today, and remember to join us next week as we again come together to celebrate our amazing God, who is always in control. Music